It's time for Yusuf on Security. I'm your host, Ibrahim Yusuf. Welcome to this show. In this episode, we will cover a topic related to our previous episode. We will look at the new way of reconciling driving revenue through ads while, air quote, not tracking individuals, air quote. But before that, let's recap top trending security news, including password spraying attack targeting Office 365 accounts, Metro establishes new organizations, not one, but two. It's all coming up next on Yusuf on Security. This is Yusuf on Security, episode 37, recorded Saturday, 16th of October, 2021. What is Flog? Password spraying attack targeting Office 365 accounts. Now, in a blog post, researchers from Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center, shortened MSTIC, described the activity of hacking group that has been targeting Office 365 users with password spraying attack. I'll come back to that password spraying attack, give you more detail of exactly what that is. But let's continue. The attackers um, appear to have ties to um, individual countries um, in the Middle East, and Microsoft has been tracking what it has named the DEF-0343 cluster. And this has been going on since July 2021. Apparently, they're targeting um, the US and the Israeli defense um, technology companies, um, Persian Gulf port of entries or global maritime transportation companies with business presences in the Middle East. And Microsoft notes that Office 365 accounts that use multi-factor authentication are more resilient against this type of attack. I've been saying, of course, two-factor authentication is a must really in today's age. Let's go back to the password spraying attack. What is it? Well, it's a variant of what is known as a brute force attack, where the attacker tries a lot of techniques in order to go through by force um, through the password. So they try a combination of different um, alphanumeric. They might download dictionary of popular passwords, um, depending on the region, the language. Of course, that varies. In a, in a traditional brute force attack, the attacker attempts to gain unauthorized access to a, let's say, to a single account by guessing the password repeatedly. That's another way. Instead of downloading a dictionary, you can guess again and again and, and, and permeate characters that you think the password is, is made out of. And that is essentially in a very short amount of time. And most of organizations have employed countermeasures um, against this. Commonly, a lockout is, 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 the, is the early way of actually preventing that, like three or four times, five times, etc. You basically lock the, the user out. If it's an application facing the public domain, then obviously that's a bit more serious and it should have more countermeasures. But at the very least, you should be able to lock out and then have a time-based delay that increments um, um, exponentially until the individual is locked out. Now, the, the, the password spraying attack um, circumvents common um, countermeasures such as account lockout as well by spraying the password across many accounts before trying another password. 
So they're going to go for not single account, but multiple accounts at the same time and use the same password, but maybe automated in such a way that you control the iteration of the new passwords. Typically, this is used against the SSO, the single sign-on and cloud-based application that we see more and more today. And this is um, when it's used in a federated authentication protocol. And what federated authentication protocol is, is um, if you have ever used uh, Gmail or um, similar or any other um, um, services online, um, and they ask you to log in with your email, whether it's a Microsoft email, a Yahoo email, or or a um, Gmail account from Google, and you don't have to create an account, that is essentially federating the authentication, meaning um, trusting the account creation company in order for you to easily gain access to their application without you creating an account on their website. Because people are tired of actually creating account after account and after account. So organizations are making this sort of access a lot easier for you to use your existing account and take it to that application. So basically your account holding company, Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, etc., are now vouching that the person who's asking this is in fact the person who owns and has control of the account. Now that this attacks then allows the malicious actor to compromise the authentication mechanism. If you have been using that, you have to be absolutely careful and use two-factor authentication, which I will come to it in a minute. Once the attacker is in, the attacker then moves laterally and essentially capitalize on internal um, resources and what they found, the bounty that they land their hands on in order to then gain access to critical application and maybe perhaps sensitive data, which is the crown jewel of what they've been after. Common tactics, techniques, and procedures, and this is another phrase, TTP, and if you have been following um, the security um, landscape, the TTP is the basically the mindset of the steps that attackers take in order to achieve their goals. And this TTP, tactics, techniques, and procedures, involve in this type of attack, the password spraying attack, are the following, for example. They use online research and social engineering tactics to identify the target individual or organization before they embark into their attack. They will then be using easily guessed password. And, you know, you can imagine the amount of people using password 123 or monkey 123 or maybe their favorite pet in the world. And therefore, the attackers are lazy and therefore they will guess easily if you're using dictionary words or password 123. Then they will leverage the compromised account to obtain email addresses list to then attack even more accounts of that individual or that organization. And essentially, they will then expand laterally within the compromised network and exfiltrate data, or maybe if we, as we see it today, hold it ransom. So that's essentially the password um, spraying attack. And there are mechanisms to, to avoid that while we're there. And avoiding really is enable proper configured multi-factor authentication. If you are a highly sensitive um, um, individual, meaning um, hosting or dealing with sensitive environment or maybe targeted individual, then you absolutely need a sort of a hardware-based 
2FA uh, fall back on a software rather than a using a software by default. You then enforce the use of a strong password as well in combination of your multi-factor authentication. You regularly review your password management program. Most of us nowadays really use a password manager which help us to achieve that goal. You maintain a regular cadence of security awareness training for all organization and employees if you are a responsible individual for such organizations. And then finally, you need to ensure um, your organization help desk has a documented procedure for password reset for users who lock themselves out because that's a loophole that the attackers are taking advantage of by doing a social engineering approach in order to, to, to take control of accounts easily. So you need to pay attention of that and very high critical well-known organizations have fallen victim of that latter point. Mitra has set up two organizations under their umbrella, and they are the Cyber Infrastructure Protection Innovation Center and the Clinical Insight Innovation Cell to Protect Healthcare. If you don't know, Mitra is a non-profit organization that deals with, um, works with the public and um, interested organization, governmental or federal license agencies, as well as various industry verticals and academia. Now, they set up these organizations um, under their Mitra Labs, which establishes, um, um, which has been established in 2020 to drive um, a breakthrough um, in applied science and advanced technology. And this is what they've said, quote, Mitra Labs has made a significant progress to expand Mitra's impact, inspire innovation disruption, accelerate risk-taking and discovery, and deliver technology capabilities. These new groups will help us move faster, be bolder, and act as a better partners for securing our nation's critical infrastructure and leveraging clinical and genomic data to tackle the problem of infectious disease and the promise of precision medicine. Now, in, 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 the, in the case of the cyber infrastructure security, um, the Innovation Center has been established to close the innovation and technological gap between public and private sector because there has been really a noticeable um, gap um, with the wake of the recent spike of ransomware um, which started really um, badly um, earlier this year. And this is to protect critical infrastructure um, using Mitra's deep understanding of operational technology as well as obviously the adversarial behavior that the organization reports. The tactics, techniques, and procedure um, phrase I've used um, earlier on the previous news that I've reported is from Mitra, for example. So the same way that you might be familiar with the kill chain of Lockheed Martin, um, Mitra has a methodology which allows these cybersecurity professionals to get into the mindset and follow the steps that normally attackers take in order to achieve their goals. And that is called the attack framework. Adversarial tactics, techniques, and common knowledge. Critical infrastructure is defined by Mita as including operational technology, 
industrial control systems and other cyber-physical systems such as IT that normally takes command and control key systems. They've cited the recent colonial pipeline and the Florida water treatment attacks, for example. And they said, quote, nation states and criminal groups are increasingly targeting the operation of our critical systems with potential devastating attacks. As critical infrastructure is primarily in the hands of the private sector, our new Cyber Infrastructure Protection Innovation Center will work across industry and government to better understand cyber threat and identify practical steps to make their operation more secure. And I think that is really important because there has been, as I said, a gap between the um, government agencies, semi-government agencies, and the public sector um, in the wake of an ongoing and escalating attacks to more and more critical infrastructure that we can we depend on heavily. The Clinical Inside Innovation Cell, like the Cyber Infrastructure Protection Center, has been set up by Mitra to bring together public and private sector leaders um, as it takes on critical healthcare challenges and deliver clinical and data science leadership. And that allows us to also... Um, head inside and advance artificial intelligence approaches as they put it now they said physicians data scientists and information engineers and statisticians as well as experts in digital health clinical research trial and ai are included in the clinical inside innovation cell team and I think that's absolutely another major step forward because healthcare and technology and cybersecurity are fundamental crossroads that we absolutely need to make sure that it's solid. For those of you who have been following um, cybersecurity news and in particular the critical junction that we are at where individual rights and their data is becoming more and more a battleground. Now, there has been extreme push by consumer groups to limit the amount of personal or sensitive information that brands and companies have access to. And new regulations are changing the, the landscape like the GDPR and others in the US. And this is targeting, for example, the advertising industry, which is leading some of the biggest tech companies to make massive changes in how they allow the collection and use of information pertaining to individuals. Now, namely Google and Apple are at the bleeding edge of this activity. While much has been said about data collection practices for um, Apple's iOS users, there is a massive change coming to Google as well, and that has already started. And this is the title of the podcast, Flock. It's essentially the search engine giant solution for giving individuals the protections they deserved. We will define what that is in a minute. They want make 
possible for advertisers to make money while protecting the individuals. Here's what you need to know about Google's new research on how Flock impacts, for example, the digital marketing um, privacy. But what exactly is Flock? On the service, the term Federated Learning of Cohorts, that's what Flock stands for, sounds like something from a science fiction movie. The reality is that Google knew plan to give the advertisers a safe way to target ads to sp- to specific groups without having access to individuals' private data is what underpins this new approach, the Flock Federated Learning of Cohorts. And in, in, in addition, the change is designed to help um, phase out third-party cookies via the company's Chrome web browser. And if you haven't listened to my previous episode, cookies... I think you should be going back to that in order to wrap your your head around cookies and what you know the critical role they play around this topic. This new program of um, Google is considered as part of a Google's privacy sandbox initiatives, and this places an emphasis on improving security and making the web a safer place for users, as they put it. So, what does that mean? Well, instead of users' movement. Um, tracked on individual basis, each person who uses Chrome or Google browser and browsing the internet will be placed in a so-called group or cohorts, which are highly specific group based on interest criteria. So Google will be grouping individuals based on their interest and habits and create a cohort, a group. The goal is then to hide individual information in crowd and making it hard to pick out any one single user from a specific group or cohorts. Now, Google's end goal for the program is to, to have these different groups based on interest that can still be accommodated online advertisers. So this is where advertisers will be helped. But not making it easy specifically to those advertisers to have access information and preferences of an individual or consumer. And that's really where things are separated. How can Flock be used? Well, from a marketeer standpoint, it's incredibly important to understand how Flock can be used in this new era of marketing, for example. Um, Flock, I should say, is still in the testing phase, which means the details of how advertisers will be able to utilize um, effectively is still being um, um, drawn out. So how does it work and what makes it different? Well, previously, third-party cookies were tracking individuals, um, users, um, activities, and their habits. This browsing data was then passed from the website to the platform to glean information about what the particular user was viewing. The new method, the Flock, Federated of Learning of Cohorts, method takes a wider approach. It looks at the group rather than the individual. So the data is stored at the browser level, which each browser being assigned to a cohort based on a similar search data rather than individual. This is what makes the protocol different. And for example, the cohort could be people who love donuts, beach vacation, gardens, all sorts of different hobbies, for example. And those will be grouped based on those hobbies and what they like or dislike, etc. To be part of an individual court, you must have looked at information on those things within the last week. And that's really important. Now, in the beginning, Flock 
federated of learning of cohort is updating browsers cohort every seven days until widespread usage can lead to a more refined practice and this is the way google explained the idea is that keeping individuals data from being handed over to third parties advertisers personal information remains much more secure now, for the start of this program, it said that Cord will um, will um, have a fewer than several thousands of people, um, which will be dynamically redistributed into other groups until more data is available over a long term. And um, Flog is designed to be an alternative to third-party cookies because that has been really a, a problem. It is easy to assume that the process Google sets forth um, for the advertisers will be somewhat similar to what is currently in use. At the end of the day, what you need to understand is Google is made out of advertisement. And that's the um, mentor of the organization and what, how it survives. After all, they definitely do not want to crush the paid advertisement market, which generates a huge chunk of their annual revenue to the tune of, um, let's say, billions of dollars, really. So first-party cookies are still very much a piece of Google Chrome browsers, and this means that the tracking of your website users when a user is signed into your account or approves an opt-in still usable for marketing purposes so you need to pay attention to what i've just said if you logged into your of course um, chrome then you obviously put your hand up and therefore everyone can see you while this type of permission was important before it is easy to see where it will become even more crucial um, definitely in the in the future and um, you know with regard to concerns, as we mentioned, the biggest concern about this is amongst industry experts is whether or not the, the cohort data can be layered um, to target individuals at the end of the day and at a more granular level. Now, something that Google is aiming to prevent in the first place, because if that is true, then the whole point of this protocol is really a joke. Now, by creating groups of users that have a specific set of interest, um, the security analyst um, community argue that this information can be compared to more detailed first-party data like sales record. Will Flock be enabled in browsers other than Chrome? Well, it's important to know that browsers other than Google Chrome are not currently part of the Flock program. But remember, Chrome is enjoying a large portion of the market share here. Um, Firefox and Safari, two of the most widely used browsers in the world, already eliminated the use of third-party cookies. And at this time, they have announced that they have no initial plans to jump on this approach, the Flock approach of Google. Just to wrap up, um, to summarize, Google's intention with Flock is to keep individuals browsing data private. Um, it definitely is designed to assign browsers to specific groups or cohorts that includes recent website data and a specific interest. Now, privacy advocates um, feel that this is a disaster and it could lead to unscrupulous advertisers using first-party data to get an even more granular level of fingerprinting of the individual, something that Google is trying to prevent in the first place by coming up with this protocol. 
Now, while the Flock program is still at the end of testing and early stage of rollout now, it's the best time for advertisers to become familiar with the process um, is what I've actually heard. Now, after all, this is a pretty technical process and that will affect um, how your ads um, reaches, um, users, um, etc. if you are a advertiser. But at the end of the day, I think um, third-party cookies is really not the way forward anymore. And therefore, this stand of Google is trying to now help the users, although I don't see how the two things can actually be married. The fact that Google is based on advertisers um, and the fact that the that they're trying to actually save the users' um, privacy. Maybe it, this will take um, a second or third iteration before everyone is comfortable, but at the moment, this is early stage um, and it's a step in the right direction, in my opinion. We have come to the end of the show. Thank you for being with me. And until next time, take care. Take care.